Hello, and welcome back to Stand Partners for Life. This is Orchestra Players Anonymous. I'm Nathan Cole. We're supposed to be anonymous. Oh, I already broke the rule. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, have to figure you already know who we are, so... That's Akiko Tarumoto over there. Welcome back. And if you haven't seen the website in a little while, head on over to standpartnersforlife.com. It's got a bit of a new look and as befits the new year, 2020 episodes of Stand Partners for Life. There you can make sure you're subscribed on iTunes, on uh, Google Podcasts, however you get your podcasts. Today we are, yeah, we're talking about the anonymous nature of orchestra playing. And this actually came up recently. So I teach the violin orchestral rep class at Colburn now. And I got a really good question just today, actually. What was that question? (laughs) Thanks for the prompt. No, you know, they asked, uh, they said, we have a friend who that that's always kind of a tip off, but they said, we have (laughs) a friend friend who says that he would never play an orchestra because you would lose your artistic identity. You'd become anonymous. First of all, I love how you can't really talk about orchestra. It's kind of like how kids learn about the birds and the bees on the playground. It's like playground wisdom. You can't talk about... Well, I just feel like there's not a constant dialogue, right, about orchestra playing. You have to kind of ask in secret, like, I have a friend who says, this is how it works. Well, sure. And I mean, we all know why that is. It's like the vast majority of working musicians and working like, you know, not pianists, obviously, but, you know, <laughs> we're, we're out there in orchestras, not being soloists or chamber musicians necessarily, right? And when you're in school, the ideal is not to play in an orchestra. Right. So, it's like a weird inversion of your expectations and your training or something like you're you're supposed to want to do something not anonymous and quote unquote better. Right. And well, that's what we're going to talk about. But I will say, you know, the folks in my class at Colburn, you know, I love the attitude and, and they're asking because they really want to know. And I, I honestly do believe they have a friend who <laughs> <laughs> who said this. So, they asked and I told them, you know, when they said, is it true that when you join the orchestra, you can become anonymous? And I said, absolutely. I mean, if you... yeah just join the orchestra and that's all the playing you do, you will very quickly lose the ability to, you know. Even if it's not the only playing you do, it it is tough to bust out of that rut, right? Yeah. So, we thought that we would call this episode Orchestra Players Anonymous. And obviously, we're, you know, having a little fun with the 12-step programs AA. And we should say that we've had friends and colleagues who have struggled with addiction and found these programs very helpful. So, while not at all demeaning these particular programs, I think we were drawn to the fact that, you know, they constantly talk about this higher power and, you know, an orchestra, there can really only be one higher power. And who's that? Who's the higher power? <laughs> <laughs> prompting you. <laughs> You're really playing along today. Well, obviously the conductor, that's, you know, who rules our lives in orchestra. 
Before I took my first job in orchestra, I did have a friend who I'd played a lot of chamber music with and they said, you know, how can you do this? How can you join an orchestra? And they actually used the word anonymous. They said, you're going to become anonymous. You're going to lose every part of you that's you. You're going to lose all your musical decision-making. And I really, so interesting. You know, I never um, thought about that. Maybe I should have. You never got the warning? No, I'm sure it's because the people I interacted with thought this is probably the best I could do. we're not gonna warn her we're probably gonna you know we'll tell her this is really she can really aspire to this so she's really anonymous (laughs) yeah you you are gonna be lucky to remain anonymous lady but i I did get that warning and i i really you know everything in me cried out against that i was like i will not you'll see and sometime in that very first season and this was in the saint paul chamber orchestra so not even a giant machine, but a chamber orchestra. And I still felt, who am I? What am I doing? Do I still sound like Nathan when I play or is the transformation complete? It's possible that the my style of playing is a, like, it's always been so bland or something that like, maybe, <laughs> maybe people let that, that sound belongs in an orchestra. <laughs> you mean like how certain people's voices kind of sound like newscasters and yeah, like you're you should. Like, you were, you're not going to be Lawrence Olivier. You're going to be like the weather guy. <laughs> so it just fits. maybe that's what they <laughs> heard me, and they're like, "Okay, weather guy." Okay, I I can say I've heard you play on the very recent side, and nothing generic about you. Yeah, you I know. think I, I I think I have a good sense of how things are quote unquote supposed to sound. <laughs> <laughs> so whatever that's good for, I think orchestra probably you know it's good for orchestra. But you could easily see how it could happen, right? I mean, how someone... Well, it has happened, obviously, right? Yeah. I mean, that's that's why people warn and that's why there are the rumors, schoolyard rumors about... Yeah, I don't think it's like so much you're going to lose how you play. I think you're going to lose recognition. That's certainly yeah. a huge deal. You're going to start being comfortable being anonymous and you're not going to want to seek the recognition, but your ego will still kind of wonder what happened. I think there's some of that. Right. So, for the purpose of this episode, as we rewrite the 12 steps, I think we've got to put ourselves in the shoes of someone who, let's say we have to, we have to imagine more someone that welcomes that. Like they, they want to become anonymous. They want to just blend in, fit in and not have to make any musical decisions anymore. So, we're going to, we're going to have to it's pretend really, this that This isn't a very good advertisement for joining orchestra, but sure. I mean, you know, I, I think we can, we have always resisted this, even so in some of our darker moments, I think we might crave or embrace the anonymous aspect. But I think in this episode, we're going to pretend that we're one of those folks that just wants to become anonymous forever. Okay. Yeah. And so these would be the 12 steps to do it. Okay. I'll play along. Yeah. So the 12 steps of Orchestra Players Anonymous. And the the first one is we admitted we were powerless over our musical decisions and that our musical lives had become unmanageable, (laughs) right? So, that's the first step. I've rewritten it and... Yeah. um, Well, because just imagine, I mean, like we were saying, you're playing in string quartets, you're playing in smaller groups and you're constantly having conflict with other people and they're they're telling you that you, you don't phrase clearly and you need to play more here and 
Right. And you you were sort of burdened with these decisions that you had to contribute. Right. Because you've got to argue against that or, or you've, you've got to say, no, I, I disagree or no, no, I'd like to play it shorter and here's why. And maybe you just get tired of that. It's become unmanageable. From what I see, it doesn't seem like people get tired of that, but sure. Certainly some people might. And if if that happened and all that stress became unmanageable, then you would admit that you're powerless over all these musical decisions that you have to make. Right. All right. Well, that's step one. You would have if if you're going to assume this this character, and then you you would have to admit that. Okay. All right. And step two is we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to musical sanity. Yeah, I think I got there. And was that power greater than yourself, a conductor? I think it was just like the idea that you know, like if you join an orchestra, you can sort of like you're. You're just a shareholder, but you're still receiving dividends. Oh, okay. So, it's more like like the power greater than yourself is the orchestra, the collective. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I like that idea. I think when I was you know looking around for what I was going to do with my life, I thought, well, that's, you know, it's not going to be that all the pressure won't be on me and all the glory won't be mine either, but, you know, it'll be sort of a fair trade. Okay. Because it's about to get more personal, more singular uh-uh. in the next rule. All right. I'm not sure that higher power can still be the whole orchestra. We made a decision to turn our will and our musical lives over to the care of, in the original rule, it's God, as we understood him. So, I think it's pretty clear it's a single, I think all signs are pointing to a conductor. I still think you can, you can apply it to the orchestra, the blob, you know, this okay. entity. In any case, you have to make a decision to turn your musical will and life over to that higher power as you understand it. Still. Or him. And most conductors at this point are him, although we do see more and more female conductors at the LA Phil. I get in trouble. Get in trouble for saying that we see more female conductors. No, no, for saying that mostly they're male, he said. No, no, no. I mean, they have been overwhelmingly male and... I mean, most people think it's kind of funny that these original rules always talk about a hymn anyway. True. This is interesting because step four made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Would you call that part of the audition process really? Because I feel like you kind of have to do that when you're auditioning. Yeah. Searching and fearless moral inventory. Yeah. And that's pretty much. audition. Because you've talked about many times how you really have to come to terms with what your strengths and weaknesses are. Yeah, not in a depressing way, though. I think that you no, it it's like a to chance be. to show off your good side. But for the purposes of, of this, sure, it's, you know, it's also daily taking inventory of how things are going. And yeah, because I, I don't think overall this is supposed to be depressing either. I mean, it's just, it's truth time. Yeah, I mean, sure, get, I mean, getting a job is truth time. So, let, let's say you're looking at your weaknesses. I mean, what does that mean in terms of the audition? Yeah, you really are trying to disguise them. <laughs> I'm not sure that works for this particular analogy. It doesn't work because the thing you're not supposed to do in the 12-step program is hide. That's the whole the basis of insecurities. There's several things that you feel that you're squirreling away from in light of day. Well, could you really hide who you are as a player? Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we've seen it. 
<laughs> no names. We've seen it. It's anonymous. Yeah, but that's we've true. Seen it. <laughs> Maybe we should do an orchestra auditions anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is really more of a whole life, whole musical life type process. But no, I mean, that, that also would be, well, so you say you can hide it. In an audition? But, yeah. Okay. You may, you know, you're not like refusing to play things. Obviously, that doesn't work, but you can really luck out not having ugly little secrets not be unearthed. But in any case, you would have to do that inventory, the moral inventory, in order to know what things you'd even want to hide. Well, no, not really, because at the audition, it's not up to you what they're going to ask. No, but I so mean, so in if- some ways, yeah, you're facing it. Like they could ask anything, so it's possible. You don't, you're not willfully hiding it. Sure, I mean, but I mean, for you to do your best, you should know what your strengths and weaknesses are. Yes, yeah, yeah. because there's, you know, as we went, out, we've gone over this. You know, the, the choices that you have in an audition, such as choosing your repertoire, you know, even like your tempos and your dynamics that you're capable of doing. Like you can, you know, if you're savvy about it, so you can sort of draw people's attention to your strength and, you know, hopefully away from your weakness. But I mean, there's certain weaknesses that are, you know, once they get exposed, like that's, you're out. But <laughs> Yeah. Well, so there's some strategery, as they say. Yeah, for sure. All right. So step five, next step is admitted to, well, this higher power, admitted to higher power to ourselves and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. So this is really that, well, this is the concept of the accountability partner, really. Okay. So it could be like your audition buddy, your practice partner, your practice buddy to you with whom you hide nothing. I mean, for me, that's really you. Okay. You know, is that helpful? Sure. I'm not sure everybody has that. You know, I think it was really really helpful to have to have you as that person we're lucky in that way because we've been there for each other for so many years and and we do share (laughs) this uh, musical life it was interesting hearing our friend our colleague chris still talk about this and he has his website if you haven't seen it honestypill.com he works a lot with audition prep and he was telling me his story once about how he really had an audition partner or even more than that, a practice buddy. Uh So he was living in an apartment where he couldn't practice. I mean, he plays trumpet. So I think most places you live, you can't really practice. So he agreed to play a certain number of services, I think it was, at a church. And in exchange, they would give him access to their space. So I forget if it was like a whole gymnasium Hmm. In any case, it was some kind of big space and he had the key. And so, especially at night, he could go there and then he had this practice buddy, another trumpet player, and they would make appointments to go meet there at a certain time. I think it was usually in the evening. For that reason, he couldn't really cancel because he knew the other person would be there waiting for him before cell phones. So, you know, if we say we're going to show up at the the church basement or whatever at 9 p.m. They just play for each other? Yeah, you got to be there and play for each other. I think they took the, at that time it was the Walkman Pro or maybe the mini disc player or something like that, record. But yeah, this this idea of admitted 
to ourselves and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. And I don't think it gets more naked than playing for someone else. Yeah, you really got to do that. Yeah, it's hard to schedule those times to say, can you listen to me play? Yeah. And then not move them around and be like, ah, actually, like, <laughs> you mind if we do it, you know, two weeks instead of now? Yeah, I'm not warmed up. Uh, but, you know, if it's part of a whole process with steps, then you might do it. It's true. We yeah. have to do it. Sure. <laughs> and these steps are, obviously, the, the, this is more about the whole life than just auditioning. Now, some of these steps, as in the originals, you know, they got, they're a little bit the same. I still... I I tried to, in case you try to get out of any of them, they're like, oh, we, we got you. Right. Step nine <laughs> and, and three. So, we're up to step six. And I still think it's funny to think of this as a conductor, but you can think of it how you like. We were entirely ready to have the higher power remove all of these defects of character. Because remember that we've we've admitted that we're powerless over having to, you know, make these musical decisions. Right. We've revealed what our weaknesses are. And now we're admitting that we're ready to have someone else remove all these defects. Okay. But I don't really think that's how it works. But if you were going to be someone that sought, you know, anonymity in an orchestra, you might feel that joining that orchestra was finally, that was actually going to make you a great musician, going to remove all the defects in your playing. Or how about the defects in how you approach music? Like you sort of, yeah. you're like you've, you've, you've always felt so like, because I could personally say like when I perform, there's so much pressure. I feel like there's, you know, and so dysfunctional, this relationship with playing in public and stuff. And then, but when you join the orchestra, it's like, you know, you, you're, you're going to be cleansed of those defects. You're going to have somebody there who finally makes you understand why you, but you love doing this. Yeah. No, I mean, I think there is that hope that joining this group, it's like the, the, there's a power greater than yourself. There's power and I mean, experience. We have, we have and, friends like that. I mean, we know people who, I mean, even, I mean, that is what we do when we join an orchestra. We, we agree to start thinking of ourselves as, as part of this, this group. And therefore you take on that identity of the group, right? And yeah. It does seem like sometimes people do that, not in a great way. Like they're, they're not the best players necessarily, but they they love just being associated with this group. Right. After a while can be sort of a, a crutch if you forget. I mean, I think part of the point of these steps is that you're supposed to keep thinking of them too. So, if, <laughs> if you ignore your own personal defects, you can pretend that because you're part of the group that they don't exist. Yeah. The next step, step seven... It's largely the same. Well, step six, you're ready to have these defects removed. Step seven, you humbly ask to have them removed. So, I guess it's just taking it one, literally one step further. So, I'm not really sure what the equivalent is here. I guess just showing up for rehearsal and seeing what this uh, person on the podium is going to... Is that like uh, asking questions of the conductor in rehearsal? No, that's not humble. That's <laughs> the opposite of humble. Hum okay. That's fighting the anonymity. Well, maybe it's asking your stand partner <laughs> for help because that, that takes humility. Yeah. But I also think if you need to do that, you probably shouldn't be there. Well, in any case, you're, you're humbly asking for a shortcoming to be removed. Step eight is, now this is a justifiably famous step, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. 
Mm-hmm. Now, in the course of an orchestral career, you probably rack up a, a fair number of offenses. I mean, so what what counts as harming a colleague if you if you come in wrong really loud? Is no, that, I. Do you have to tally those up? No, I think like making a face if something goes wrong. Okay. Not good. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah, anything where you're sort of giving into your baser instincts and reacting to something. Well, maybe asking the conductor a question. Maybe that's something that you need to <laughs> tally up and make amends for. Depends on the question, but yeah, we've seen once. I mean, I, I really, really doing wrong to your colleagues. I, you know, I think playing like super loud because you think you sound so great and basically drowning people out. That's true, and it would hanging be, on to notes too long so you can hear yourself. It's a bad yeah. one. All kinds of bad orchestral habits. I mean, wouldn't it be amazing if, you know, let's say there were a serial offender as far as that went, and at the end of a year they came around to everybody and said, "I realized that in every loud and fast passage, I've been playing a lot louder than everyone else and hanging on to every note really long." Oh, and Nathan, we fantasize about these <laughs> things every day. We go to work wishing that somebody would. Many people would embrace step eight. Well, and so then step nine is actually making direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. I mean, yeah, direct amends to the orchestra. I mean, I've heard of situations where people, you know, they really didn't talk for a long time and then there was some kind of reconciliation and you know, it's, a, it's always a nice story. I, I like hearing about those things. I've actually never had a big beef or feud well, in orchestra. A, do you, can you share one? I don't remember. Yeah, just like wind principals who didn't speak for a long time. And then usually there was some kind of intermediary. Who? Oh, the ones I'm thinking of didn't end well. Well, no, I mean, I, I think a lot of them don't end well. Okay. But there are ones that do. And then that, that's a case of you know, whether you want to call it making amends or just brokering a truce. Uh-huh. Yeah, it may be hard to to make direct amends in an orchestra, but we should make a note to do it if we've if we've harmed someone. Ugh. No thanks. All right. Well step ten is It's a long time to be there, you know. I know. Yeah. It's uh stand partners for life, not just for a week. <laughs> Step 10 is continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. I do that all the time. I do that every day. You mean, well, I feel like you admit things to me all the time, but Who am I like you, but you're not, these aren't things where you're actually wrong. I'm, no, I but always, like I, I feel like I'm always trying to work on stuff and I'm always finding things that weren't totally right, you know? Well, no, I mean, you're, you do that to a fault. Yeah. So... I got that one covered. That's true. I mean, this is not like a test for you to see if you're following all these steps. <laughs> real, that's what it feels like. It feels like I'm being like quizzed about my my 12-step worthiness. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, you know, remember this is only really if you truly wanted to be anonymous in the orchestra anyway. But I was actually thinking of times when I have been concertmaster and maybe phrased something in a way that wasn't great. Oh, never. You mean like verbally? Yeah. Or yeah, just this concept of, you know, when you were wrong, promptly admitting it. No, everyone always like they say like you are the best person they've ever encountered in terms of like 
being able to give direction in a really neutral, non-hostile way. And well, I may be overly careful about that. But, but I, let's mean, say, I mean, I don't think there's any situation where you've you know said anything in a way that you need to apologize for. Well, let's say you make a Boeing mistake or you tell the group something that you heard and then it turns out that's the conductor said the opposite thing. Okay. I mean, okay. I think it's important to, it is important to admit it right away. Well, sure. And you do. And I mean, that's why people respect you. It's okay to be wrong a lot as long as you admit it. Step 11 is, this is like one of those constitutional amendments that has a whole bunch of clauses. It's a long one. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with the higher power as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. There is that. I mean, that's what an orchestra is. In the end, all you're really hoping is that you, you've carried out your instructions properly. <laughs> so, would you call these instructions from the conductor or more from the composer? Like, let's say we're playing a Beethoven symphony. Would you say you're trying to improve your conscious contact with well, Beethoven mean, as we understand him? In the end, you're right. I mean, it has to be, you have to think of the conductor as being like the intermediary. You know, otherwise, like everybody's got like a slightly different opinion of how this should go or, you know, it's not going to really work if you've got all those different ideas. So... Hopefully, the conductor is the, the unifying force, and they're supposed to be. Praying only for knowledge of his will for us. I, I do that. I, I pray. For- <laughs> Please let me know how many beats <laughs> how prep many, we're many- getting. <laughs> that <laughs> happened in rehearsal today. We had a, Esapeka was up there, and he said, I'll, I'll give you three, four, and then you play. And it was about eight times in a row. It's like... Three, four, and then he'd say, all right, wait one more. We'll see what happens in the concert. See how many people have meditated. (sighs) Well, he's, you know, he's a little scary. So I feel like that'll be the unifying force. I know. I'm going to get that look from him and it's going to freak me out and I'm going to come in on four instead of waiting. Yeah. I'm jinxing myself. It's tough repertoire this week. And finally, step 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to other orchestra musicians and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Well, that's tricky. A lot of conflict comes from trying to get everybody on the same page. (laughs) (laughs) And then I feel like you just, then you just get thrown into the whole 12 steps again. Well, I think that's part of the point, right? Like they can be repeated as Mm -hmm. necessary. You're not supposed to feel like Sisyphus. I mean. (laughs) I'm pushing that boulder back up the hill. (laughs) It's like 12 steps to be repeated all day, every day. No. No, not every day. I mean. If only only everybody obeyed these tenets, you know, I think we'd be in a lot better shape. Well, that's what step 12 says, that you share it with other orchestra musicians. And that's kind of what we're doing in this podcast, right? Yeah, I think. I don't know. I think there are other orchestra musicians listening in. (laughs) Hopefully the right ones. Well, I mean, now are these steps... So, I think we kind of started by saying these are the steps to follow if you really do want to become anonymous in the orchestra. I feel like you've managed to 
turn them in a more positive direction. Like you, you could follow these steps and actually be a great orchestral player. Well, and because retain. as I understand it, there's just no way around the anonymity being an orchestral player. Yeah. But there are positive things about being in an orchestra, you know, nevertheless. So I think there is a spin that you can put on it that's like you know, you're toiling in relative anonymity <laughs> and hopefully you'll be rewarded. In the musical afterlife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe hopefully some in the current life too. Maybe well, even maybe even at the this week's concert, you know. This week's repertoire is tough. Hindemith, Matisse, Dermaler. Yeah, actually, there's actually no way that we're gonna we're gonna step out of the limelight in this program in any good way. I mean, no, unless we jump right in a hole or something. Yeah, I think you can. Falling off the wagon will definitely get you some some temporary fame or notoriety. So. In this week, it's probably best to remain anonymous. Yep. All right. Well, I like the twist. I like the spin you put on it. And uh, I am always struggling against the anonymity, but I think the... I mean, you, I mean, you're, not, embrace... you're not anonymous and you're, you know... Hey, mm-hmm. when I was in the hospital, my doctor knew right away who you were. <laughs> well, he knew the color of my hair. But that's, you know... <laughs> <laughs> it's very pertinent, I'm sure. Well, I Whereas will. for me, he said, I, I've never seen you. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of strange for, for someone who claimed to go all the time. Yeah, I'm sure he's there like this week, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, then he'll see us fulfilling Hospital Doctors our... Anonymous here. Yeah, that's true. I wonder, you know, in other professions, do you want to remain anonymous also? I mean, for doctors... Maybe the highest calling is to be that person that just saved lives and nobody knows your name. Huh. We'd have to ask around. I'm pretty sure some of them want to be known. That's true. Those ones like in the Pasadena 10 best. That's right. 10 best list. Pay $100. We'll we'll get one of them on the show. But thank you all for joining us for these 12 steps of Orchestra Players Anonymous. And if you have... An orchestral experience that fits into these. I hope you'll share it with us. Just uh, hit us up, at contact at Stand Partners for Life, and actually, you could also uh, leave it in a an iTunes review. That's an awesome way to help your friends and colleagues find us. Just visit our show on iTunes and leave us that little rating and review. That would be fun, and you can leave your thoughts on the twelve steps too. So great to talk with you as always, and. Can't wait to see you back for the next episode of Stand Partners for Life. 